This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Well, we continue our series, Emotions, Let's Not Be Deceived. And so far, we've talked about the fact, and we've looked at everything and based everything on the Word of God. We've looked at the fact that we were created in the likeness of God. We were created in His image. To be more specific, Adam was created in the image of God, and we're created in the image of Adam because we were born after the fall of Adam. And so you and I were built in such a way by God's design that He Himself can live inside of us. And He lives inside of us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then we established that fact to just so that we could know how we're made up. And the fact that we have emotions is one of the pictures of the likeness of God. We looked at the fact that Jesus Christ had emotions. He could be angry when He ran the people, the merchants, out of the temple who were exchanging money for high prices. But we also saw Him with compassion with the woman at the well. And then the Bible says that Jesus wept. You think about His dealings with Lazarus and His disciples. He showed emotion. And we're made in the likeness of God, and so therefore we have emotions. And these emotions are good because they're God-given. And just now, when we're worshiping God... We can be overcome with emotion that's good, godly emotion. So emotions are not bad. But what is bad is when our emotions begin to control us instead of the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. And then we talked about the importance of knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. And if you remember, I brought a paint set up here, and I held the paint set up, and I said, in your younger days, in those early days of your life, who painted the picture of your life. It starts with mom and dad, those in authority over you. And I ask you this question, what paints did they use? And what did they come from that passed on to you from their moms and dads and grandparents and the authorities in their life that has painted a picture of you, a personal identity that may not be exactly what God has painted for you in Christ Jesus. And I talked about how that controls us. The image that we have of ourselves, that we just develop over time, and that the image that we have of ourselves that's been projected onto us by other people in our life. And then we said, what is the image that we have according to Scripture? And then I asked this question, which one is the real you? The image that you developed on your own, the image that other people have projected onto you, or the image that the Bible says that you have in Christ Jesus, and of course the answer is what the Bible says. And then we explain that if we don't know what the Bible says about who we are, what we have in Christ Jesus, we cannot help but act out how we see ourselves and how we think other people see us. We tend to act that out instead of acting out who we are in Christ and that empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then last Sunday, we looked at how our emotions are affected by the sovereignty of God. When you understand God's sovereignty, that God is in control, and you understand the attributes of God, and you understand that we're under His authority and under His delegated authority, and that God will not let anything happen to us unless He allows it, and He will turn it into something that's good. But if we don't understand God's sovereignty, if we don't understand this God that we worship, our emotions will take over especially in times of tribulation, when times are hard, 
our emotions will take over, and in a sense, our emotions will trump God, which that's impossible, but in our humanity, we can begin to be controlled by our emotions instead of by the Holy Spirit. And I would say that's where most people are uh, in our day. Now, this morning's message is titled, God Rich in Mercy, and we're going to look at Ephesians 2, those 10 verses. It starts out negative, who we were, then it moves to what God did, and then it moves from there to who we are now. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And I've already read it this morning, so I'm just going to go ahead and start teaching it. Uh, Verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You and I came into this world separated from God. The Bible says that we're dead in trespasses and sins. In other words, spiritually, we were dead. Physically alive, yes. With full emotions, yes. Relating to other people, yes. But spiritually dead, according to the Word of God. No connection with God, living as though God did not exist. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 2 says, in which you formerly walked according to, notice, the course of this world. Now, walk in the Bible usually speaks of the way of life. You know, be careful of your walk. Uh, The way you walk before men is speaking of the life that you live. So walk speaks of a way of life. And the Ephesians here, the church at Ephesus, was conformed to the spirit of the age. Some were, not all. They indulged in the sins of their times. I want to encourage you, and I'm encouraging my own heart. You and I are at a time in the history of this nation unlike ever before. There is rebellion that looks so right, but is so wrong. It is still rebellion. And this rebellion is permeating every area of our society. Be careful how you walk in this age. Do not be conformed to this present age. And this is what he was saying here. He was saying in in verse 2, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. That is, they indulged in the sins of their times. And then he goes on to say, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, this prince of the power of the air speaks of Satan. This speaks of the devil. The Bible says that the devil is the ruler of this age. He's in control of this present age. You say, wait a minute. Now, I thought God is sovereign. Absolutely. God is absolutely sovereign. But God has a reason. We don't fully understand it. God has a reason for allowing Satan to do what he's doing in this world system. If God wanted to, he could just say, go to hell. You'll never come out again. And that day is coming. But my friend, listen, if you don't believe that Satan is alive and well, you need to pay very close attention because he is. He says, according to the prince of the power of the air. And so what he's saying is this, you're being dead in trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. In other words, being ruled and controlled by the chief ruler in this present age on this earth, who Satan, before you were saved, you were led by the one who leads evil spirits. He goes on to say, of the spirit that is now working, notice here, the sons of disobedience. In other words, a person who's not a child of God, 
according to the Word of God, is a child of the disobedient one, and that disobedient one is Satan. I know that's a hard thing to think of, but before I turned to the age of six, according to the Word of God, I was a child of the disobedient one. And their father is Satan himself. And then verse 3 says, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, notice what it says here, and of the mind. Remember, we're made up, spirit, soul, and body. We've established that. The mind is in our soul, which is where we think. We have our emotions where we feel, and we have our will where we make choices. And he's saying here in verse 3, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That means an abandonment to everything that's natural. You and I have to be very careful. Living in this present world system, though we are children of God, unless you have been yet to be born again, we'll talk about that at the end of this message. But you and I have to be careful as children of God, no longer children of Satan, but we must be careful not to be squeezed into the mold of this present world system because it is so subtle. The Bible says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. What looks so right sometimes is really so wrong. And then he goes on to say, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. This means they had a natural predisposition to anger, malice, bitterness, and hot temper. In other words, this was shared with the rest of mankind. People are angry. People are bitter. People are frustrated just about everywhere you go. This is the age in which we live. This is brought on by Satan and his evil spirits, and this is a result of what he said in verse 1, being dead in trespasses and sins. That's how we all came into being. That's how we live on this earth until something happens. When we come to the realization that I am separated from God, and what I need is a Savior, and then someone comes along and shares the gospel with you, maybe like me, it was your mom and dad who from a very early age began to share with me. Maybe your parents did the same thing. But there has to come a time in every individual's life where you have to believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. When that happens, though you were dead in your trespasses and sin, you're made righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 4, praise God for the positive. That's who we were. Look at verse 4, and let's look at what God did. It says, in all that darkness, then it says, but God. And what God did, only God could do. And listen, only God would do. But God, and here's the reason, being rich in mercy. That means you and I did not deserve anything in our depravity. But God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, remember, spiritually dead, 
having no desire for God, living as if God did not exist, even when we were dead in our transgressions, what did He do? He made us, listen, alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In other words, this was an act and a movement of God, and it's not something that you personally did. There is absolutely no way to clean up your life or live a perfect life to obtain what it's talking about here, our salvation. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And then verse 6, He says, And raised us up with Him. Raised us up with Him. You say, how do you explain that? Pastor, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. Uh, This existed more than 2,000 years ago. How can the Scriptures, speaking to us also in 2017, how can it say that we've been raised up? We didn't live back that far ago. I had a seminary student ask me this a couple of years ago as I was meeting with him on some things. He says, how can this be true of us when we did not live back that long ago. Remember, our God is an eternal God. He sees everything from beginning to end. And what He saw when Christ died for us on the cross, because He knows everything, He saw us having died with Him. So when Christ died and when Christ was buried, you died and were buried. And on the third day when He was raised, you were raised. That's what it means here. He says, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, no matter what identity that's been set for you since you were a child, as a true child of God, your true identity is in what it's saying right here in this passage. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I lived, I thought, saw myself, and lived as if God did not exist. But even in that state, even though God knew that would be my state because He knows all things, He still sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for me and as me, so that when that point came that I believed and received the Lord Jesus Christ, I took on the righteousness of Christ that I did not deserve, and this is because of His mercy and His great Love in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then verse 7 says this, so that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace. Notice this next word, in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now those first few verses, dark, negative, dead in trespasses and sins, without Christ. Children of the disobedient one, all these things. But now it's positive. It says that we've been made alive together with Christ. By grace we've been saved. We've been raised up, seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come He might show the surpassing riches. Here's the word grace in kindness toward us. Notice the preposition here, in Christ Jesus. And then... Verse 8, we've quoted this for years, and we quote it very often. For by grace you have been saved 
through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so you and I were born in a state of sin, dead in trespasses and sins. But because of the gift of God, God the Father sending God the Son Jesus, He came to this earth to die on the cross for all of our sins, listen, and ourselves. You say, why is this so important to you? It's because when I do not see a person walking in their true identity in Christ, deep down I know they must stop until they see this before they can go forward, or it only gets worse in the Christian life trying to please a God that you wonder, am I pleasing to this God? And a lot of this has to do with our thinking because we've never been clear on this most precious truth. And so, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then verse 10, look at what he says here. For we are His workmanship, you could say we're his poem. A persons of notable excellency. Remember, we were dead in our trespasses and sins without spiritual life. But because of God's love and mercy and his kindness, we've been made alive together in Christ Jesus. And because of that, he now has made us his workmanship. There is something that we're to do. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, these good works, there is in no way these good works can save us. There is no way these good works can keep us saved. And even our motivation for these good works should not be somehow keeping God off my back or somehow trying to show God how appreciative I am of His death on the cross. Our motivation for good works should be the same motivation that God had in sending His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. It should be an agape love motivation that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now, it says that God had prepared these good works beforehand. What does that mean? God has prepared these good works to each of us as individuals, children of God, no longer children of the disobedient one, no longer children of Satan, but God has done something special with us. He's created us in Christ Jesus for good works that He has prepared beforehand for us. You know what that is? God has a perfect blueprint for your life. God already knows why He created you to begin with. God has a perfect plan for you. God knows how many days are numbered for you when you'll die. God, the Bible says that God has every hair on your head numbered. He knows who your mom and dad are. Whether good or bad, remember, the sovereignty of God, there is no way you could have been born number one. And as far as who your parents are, whether you like it or not, that is who God intended for them to give birth to you. And so there are no mistakes in an all-sovereign, all-knowing God. But I want to tell you, when you're in the Word of God, no matter what your situation is in life, you can begin to know this. Yes, 
I was dead in my trespasses and sins as if God did not exist. I was being carried along by a temporary world system controlled by the evil one and his demons. But now, but God, because of his love and his rich and his mercy toward us, he sent his only begotten son to die for us. And now I am declared righteous in him, in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly places, seated at his right hand. And what makes this real to me and makes a difference on this earth is all that we're looking at in just these 10 verses is true of us and made effectual in us by the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. God the Father sent God the Son who died for you and me and sent back the Holy Spirit of God to living us. And so therefore, that puts God back in the man and that makes heaven and earth touch. You have God's Spirit in you. So this is your identity. I'm no longer dead in my trespasses and sins. I'm alive with Christ together with Him for all eternity. I am His workmanship, a person of notable excellency. I am Christ's poem, and He planned good works for me before the foundation of the world. He has a blueprint of my life, and the blueprint is found. This is where it's found. It's found in the Word of God. As you spend time in the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, applying the Word of God to your life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, this is what happens. Though you can't necessarily see all the worked out blueprint. You can't see it. And I want to tell you, I would love to see my blueprint right now. Trust me. God, what are you doing? And I think many of you feel the exact same way. I would like to see the whole blueprint. But you know the danger in that? We'd want to decide if we liked it or not. We can't do that. We got God's word. We got God's spirit. And we say, I don't understand it all. But God's got a perfect will and plan for my life. And as far as him loving me and accepting me and being for me, the cross proves that he's all of that or he never would have sent his son Jesus to die. Amen. And so we have his blueprint. It's found in the word of God, but you don't actually see the whole blueprint as far as your time on this earth. You have to walk in it and it emerges. You remember what God said to Joshua? God said to Joshua, wherever your foot trods, I have given it to you, not I will give it to you. And so as we walk under the power and control of the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, more and more day by day, we see what God is doing. So sometimes this is a wise thing to do is spend some time, turn around and remember what God has done for you and with you. And I want to tell you, if you'll do that, you'll rejoice. And you'll think, praise God, he's brought me this far. He's going to take me the rest of the way. And he only wants what is good for me. Because I live under a sovereign God who allowed me to be created on this earth. My identity is not what the first authorities in my life projected onto me. My identity is not in what I've been creating for myself, trying to look, walk, talk like this celebrity. My identity is who the Bible says that I am. We see it all right here in just these 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. But we have something pulling at us, and the Bible calls it the flesh. It is that part of us who wants to act ungodly. 
It's that part of us who wants to act and walk this way. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. There is a part of us pulling us like a magnet, this wanting to walk in the former things instead of the present and the future things that are ours in Christ Jesus. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand your blueprint for life, so that we would think about walking in them. It doesn't say that. What does it say? So that we might walk in them. I think my eyes are just a little bit blurry. I think it says, so that we would walk in them. You see, just Wednesday night, we talked about what God wants from us. To walk justly, to walk humbly before our God. What God wants you and I to do is walk, instead of having a worldly image of ourselves that we're trying to act out, remember we talked about as we see ourselves, we acted out. Uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God wants us first to say, I settle my heart and mind on what the Bible says about me. Listen, even though my emotions are telling me something different, my emotions are telling me the former way, but God, by His Spirit and His Word, is telling me the present and future way. Who I am, what I have in Christ, that is my true identity. And as we established a couple of Sundays ago, we cannot let our emotions override our spirit and the Holy Spirit of God. We have to let our emotions follow. Watchman Nee says, there were three men walking along the top of a fence. The first man's name was facts. The second man's name was faith. And the third man's name was feeling. And everything was working perfectly well. They were just walking along the top of this fence until Mr. Fact turned and looked at Mr. Faith. And Mr. Feeling looked at Mr. Faith and they all fell off the fence. We have to keep our hearts and minds riveted to the Word of God. Because if we don't, I want to tell you, by default, we will begin to walk according to how we feel. And that is what's wrong with our present age. And that's what's holding back the work of God in the Christian world. He says, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Amen? That's your true identity. That's how you should see yourself, no matter what someone else tells you, no matter what your emotions feed up to your thinking, you need to stop it and tell your emotions, get over in the corner where you belong. I'm going to walk in what God says about me and what the Holy Spirit is carrying me along to be. So, Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So my emotions have to be subservient to the work of the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. And the more we do this, this is what happens. You and I become more like Jesus Christ. It just emerges up and through our life. And you know what's happening? We're walking in God's blueprint for us. Many people ask this question. How can I know 
the will of God for my life. The only way to know the will of God for your life is to say, I surrender to the control of the Holy Spirit, and the will of God for your life begins to emerge, begins to blossom, and begins to happen, and those that you're in contact with will be blessed. You say, well, it's like we're living in a time where it's like we're not seeing this anymore. We're not seeing Christians that seem to know who they are in Christ and that are carrying out the blueprint for life. Well, let me tell you what's happened in the Christian world. It's been going on way over a 100 years. Christians have become comfortable doing church, church activities, and all these things. Instead of saying, I want to live my life in Christ and Christ in me out in community, we almost compartmentalize Sunday, church, check, see you next Sunday. And that's has been going on way over a hundred years. And it's hurt Christianity. It's hurt moms and dads. Many years ago, they set aside the responsibility that they have to disciple their own children because that's done at the church. Check. This has been happening for a very long time, and now we're in a Christian culture that's a lot like the Laodicean church. There is a form of godliness, but there's no power there. And that's what we're struggling with. I want you to think about this. Abraham Lincoln wrote and put in place the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed the slaves. They were free to go. But, you know, over a 100 years later, there were still slaves in the United States. There were still men and women still obeying their masters. You say, well, why did they do this? They were emancipated. Why did emancipated slaves continue to obey their masters? It's either because they didn't know about the emancipation or they chose to remain a slave. One or the other. The Bible teaches that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's the way we formerly walked. But praise God, you and I have been saved and born again. But for some reason, the majority of Christians seem to be defeated. Most Christians never lead anybody to the Lord. We're busy doing things in our churches, but making the difference that we're supposed to make seems to just go off the radar. If everybody here would lead one person to the Lord, this place would be filled up very quickly. We need to be about the Father's business of making disciples and making disciple makers. It's a choice that we have to make. If we're not careful, like the slaves who were emancipated, we will continue to walk as though we're still dead in our trespasses and sins. Instead of walking by faith in the facts of the Word of God that says we're free, our chains are gone. We've been set free. If we're not careful, our emotions will make us slaves, though we're free. And the Bible says that we are. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.